This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're listening to BFM, and this is the Ring It and Send show with myself, Julian Ng, and also Ku Su Chuang. And this <laughs> is the show that's all about what's working, what's not in the market. And today we have our regular guest, Dr. Suresh Ramanathan, who's independent FX strategist. I think you meant SM, actually. Did I say? Did <laughs> I not said, say? You said ring and sense. No, I didn't. You did? Really? Freudian slip. Oh right my there. goodness, that's a Freudian slip. Maybe we should merge the two shows. Maybe because yeah. sometimes they're one in the same, aren't they? They are. They are. So, uh, Doctor Suresh, yeah. you're gonna come and uh, talk about a really hot topic today, which is the proposed changes the Bank Nagara is making on, uh, for example, board of directors composition, transparency, accountability, as well as our very favorite topic: how much uh, to pay bankers, right? Yeah, I mean it's 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 timely that the central bank came up with this uh, new policy brief itself, but what's rather uh, vital in the in the in the whole brief itself actually is the fact that you know there's a lot more enhanced uh, transparency in the appointment of board of directors, as well as actually being very independent in nature, uh, as well as actually the payout system itself. So how have we survived this long without an independence board of directors for the banks? I think to, to a large extent, that's due to the fact that, you know, most financial institutions in this country are literally uh, government-linked institutions itself. And the stranglehold of the government actually on the financial institution is pretty strong. So uh, not much has been talked about it or even actually mentioned, but this policy brief by the central bank addresses some very crucial uh, factors in, in managing a, a financial institution. Okay, let's uh, dive right into it. But before that, uh, what brought this on? Uh, we, know, we know that uh, 2008 happened uh, and in the US. There's the Dodd-Frank Act. Uh, there's the Volcker Rule uh, placing a lot of restrictions about what banks can and cannot do with the capital. Is it the same thing here as Malaysia? Is a Bank Nagara just taking a leaf out of the developments overseas? I think if you look at the Dodd-Frank Act itself, uh, that's coming on the heels of the... 2008 and 2009 crisis. It was a total change in the way regulatory uh, space as well as actually compensation. But in the case of uh, the central bank's policy brief on this, actually, it's actually providing more accountability to the board itself uh, in their decision making. And that's very crucial. Uh, if you look at actually in the, in the last few years itself, markets have actually changed quite tremendously and business cycles are shorter as well so what actually what deals that you do or even actually what sort of transactions that you do over time has a repercussion over the next few months or even the next few years itself so the board has to take accountability of that itself uh, compared to actually the Dodd-Frank Act which is totally a, a large-scale uh, overhaul of the system itself. Well, I find it quite intriguing that uh, this whole 1MDB fiasco uh, has really, uh, you know, resulted in kind of like a purge and a re-examination of our values. And it's, it's you know, to view it as a glass half full, that, that central bank has come in and say, hey, look, you know, let's relook at the whole structure and, um, you know, relook at the whole framework for corporate governance, especially among financial institutions. But we are a work in progress. We are, by and large, a box-ticking culture. And when you go into the granular details, it's not as if we really follow it to the book. Um, they are ostensibly independent directors, but some of them, and you can't really prove the causal link between uh, someone who was appointed to the board and someone who could be close. They could have been classmates 20 years ago, but you can't really tell that from the um, from the corporate profiles. I, I totally agree with that. You know, the, the old school boys network actually plays a very significant it's role It's hugely here. significant. Yeah, very significant. And that independence now is actually... Uh, 
uh, word that is actually being used very carefully and also actually the fact that actually it's being mentioned on many times. So being independent here means actually not necessarily that you're not related to anybody and so on, but being independent in your decision-making itself. That means actually you've got to have a little bit of accountability on any form of decisions that you make and you should stand with that actually and, and have that view and principles itself. So it's, it's a fine line there, but it's quite difficult actually, as I said, you can have the whistle blowing, but if you have the whistle blowing actually in a soundproof room, it does not make any difference. <laughs> it's like yeah, that, James Bond, right? If, if in the first place you have the courage and the, and the bravado to do it, because Malaysia clay that does not reward whistleblowers. Um, <clears throat> Don't go into the jungle to whistleblow. Do, do it in open spaces. Correct, correct. <laughs> um, the other point that's, I want to raise is all the whole in- issue of independent boards and stuff. And I think there's a guideline right now for nine years to be the limit, which kind of like, that's a long time, right? Nine years is, you, you, you can be compromised in one hour if you give me the right carrot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So nine years, <clears throat> nine years. Nine I mean, years nine, is that's, a lifetime. That's, yeah. you know, that's eight years and 364 days of partying if you may give me the right offer. I in 23 hours. Yeah, do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Nine years is too long. They should have actually come up with something with four years itself because that has to move in tandem with business cycles itself and in that sense actually having something which is less than that uh, would actually be a lot more uh, transparent and accountable to the decision making nine years is too long but even though it's not it's not legislated as guideline only isn't it yes it's just a guideline It's, it's just a guideline at the moment and I'm thinking about the legislative houses in India right and I suppose in other countries as well where they have rotating elections in the sense that not all the members go for elections at once. Half of it goes for election, half of it stays, and then they have their elections a few years later. Uh, This could be something that could be done to the board of directors so that you don't have a stranglehold on the banks and the the uh, re-elections, half of it come up four years and another half comes up another few years later. That's that's an appropriate way of looking at it, actually. That means actually not every board of directors go for the vote itself. Actually, there's a turn there, actually. So it's it's a system that actually puts in place and it provides fresh ideas in any decision making itself. Not everyone does it at the same time itself. But I think the crucial point here to note is actually the fact that the appointment of board of directors, actually, let's say actually if you are a senior manager in a certain department and you've spent at least 20 years there the next the next step would be actually getting appointed to the role of actually a board of directors but between that that move from a senior manager and the board you taking an advisory role and then you get into the the, the board of directors but at the end of the day I, I find that this approach is rather biased on most occasions because you you tend to actually not provide fresh ideas you don't bring in new people into the board but someone actually who's been on the ground and has actually moved up so your decision making eventually would be clouded to a large extent Mm-hmm. And so one of the other provisions that Bank Nagara is also making uh, is that the chairman of the board must not be an executive and must not have served as a CEO or any other executive position within the bank at the same time. Uh, and this brings to um, really the question of what exactly is the chairman's role. And what, in fact, to widen it, what exactly are the roles of the boards, uh, the directors in the board? Yeah. So, I mean, the chairman acts as a neutral party eventually. Uh, but now the question is actually, is he given a veto power on any decision making after the votes are cast? Uh, if he's actually acting as a neutral partner uh, in managing the situation in the board, then it's fine. But actually moving from
from a CEO and then right after that to a chairman, again, as I said, actually, it will cloud decision-making itself. And then actually, the old school boys network comes into the board itself. So eventually that messes up the whole form of actually decision-making in the board. Yeah, I mean, it's in, and in many cases in Malaysia, the chairman position, in fact, even a seat on the board is seen as kind of like a reward for years in service in the civil service or in the years in the army. And How much are they paid, actually? Actually, actually, independent directors and banks are paid six, you know, hefty six-figure sums. The minority shareholders watch that group. A year, a year. Yeah, okay. So I think um, bank independent directors are something like three to 400,000 ringgit a year. But of course, when you go down the other end of the scale in a manufacturing second board company or an ACE market company, your salary is something like um, 50,000, 60,000 a year, which is not a lot, especially when you consider the burden of responsibility that they have. But, you know, it's the opinion of a seat on the board which is the issue because in Malaysia, I think many places around, it's kind of like seen as a reward or kind of compensation for years in the service or whatever. But it's, it shouldn't be. It's actually it's your, your, the independence of your view and how impartial you are to serve the interests of the shareholders, first and foremost, especially the minorities. Yeah, that's that's crucial, actually. That's where the independence is very vital at the end of the day. You know, sitting on the board does not mean as a rather of a goodbye gift or yeah. a retirement gift, yeah. actually. If that's the case, then actually defeats the whole purpose of, of the board itself. You're listening to the SNM show, which is a show all about stocks and markets and what's working and what's not in markets. And you're with Kusu Chuang and myself, Julian Ng, and also our guest today, Dr. Suresh Ramanathan, who's an independent FX strategist. We're talking about Bank Nagara's latest proposals, and updates. we'll talk about bank executive bonuses. You're listening to the SNM show, which stands for Stocks and Markets. And, uh, or sadism and masochism. No, that's not the kind of show <laughs> this is. Uh, this is about stocks and markets and what's working and what's not. Uh, you with uh, you just heard Ku Chuang and I'm Julian Ng. And today we have Dr. Suresh Ramanathan. We're talking about Bank Nagara um, proposals to shake up. Is, it, uh, is that the right word to use, doctor? Yeah. Uh, shake up the banking industry? Yes, to a large extent, I think, yes. It's a bit of a shake up. It's, uh, when I looked at the, the policy brief, it was quite rather interesting. It's going to be implemented on August 2019, most of the proposals. And, you know, the part on the chairman's being appointment, actually, and uh, from a CEO as a chairman, that, that was very crucial. And the independence of board of directors, actually, uh, that's also very crucial. So they addressed a lot of things, as well as actually on the part of remuneration, which was rather interesting when I read it. Yeah, so uh, now they want to spread the bankers' bonuses over a couple of years, some many years, right? And uh, are the bankers going to go up in arms? Will, there, will we see the great big strike of bank executives? Uh, you know, in banks, actually, the most lucrative department, uh, especially in investment banks, is the treasury. And uh, treasury is actually where the big fat bonuses come, as well as actually those who are actually doing M&A deals and IPOs or debt capital market trades. Um, that's where the big bonuses are. But if you if you look at bonuses being staggered or payouts being staggered, uh, it's more appropriate for those deals that are actually in IPOs, M&As, corporate finance work, rather than the ones actually in treasury who are literally doing day-to-day -day trading itself. Uh, if you actually stagger the bonuses actually in the treasury, which involves day-to-day -day trading, that could see an influx. I mean, that could see an exodus of uh, personnel, key personnel Where they to other go? banks. All, all the banks will be yeah. practicing the same uh, thing, right? To a large extent, yes, but not everyone's actually looking at it unless they're actually adding a bit of a sweetener. Uh, which means actually, okay, I could stagger your bonus for the next six months or next one year, but uh, the chunks are going to be larger over time. 
so if I'm getting like two million ringgit a year and I'm being staggered for for four quarters itself, now I could actually enhance it to three million, okay, and stagger it over four quarters itself. So that will actually stop them from leaving itself. So the question here is actually, say, are you going to limit the bonuses or stagger the bonuses? So the question is actually, say, if the amount is large and you can stagger it, I don't mind staying on. But if the amount is small and you're going to stagger it, that's going to be detrimental to the performance. So itself. this this is all about um, curbing the risk-taking capacities of bank executives, right? Uh, in fact, this is a development yeah. that has already happened in the United States and they're trying to clamp down on that and not only the US but a financial centre like London as well. Uh, but then how do you separate the wheat from the chaff? For example, curbing risk-taking and then uh, remunerate fairly. Uh, will this staggering actually, uh, all other things remaining equal, mm -hmm. become very unfair to the executive? Well, in the first place, you know how ridiculous I find this conversation? Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, you're talking... Suresh, I see you. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So you are performing a function which is well remunerated in a financial service framework. And that's... Okay, that's kind of okay for you to discuss. Yeah. But what about the wider population? What about the teachers and the nurses and the housewives and the people who are doing real jobs, making real things in a society which, you know, which is enriched by these, in, with these contributions. So you're, you're questioning <laughs> capitalism itself. Well, I'm questioning the, the size and the preponderance of the financial sector in an economy, which has yeah. grown so out of proportion, it is not even funny anymore. People who are losing their jobs left and right or who are, who are trying to make it happen with a family and two kids on 6,000 ringgit and they're struggling. And here, here we are, bankers discussing... Essentially, two bankers <laughs> How in front to of split me. 10 million How bucks to split 10 million over five or years? 5 million over three years, or is it two, or maybe I make 2 million this year, or is it yeah. over four quarters? It, that's, that's how ridiculous yeah. this conversation yes, is. It, mad. It, it is. It does sound ridiculous because the payouts are very lucrative, but that's how finance works in the market. You know, but when, it should when, not be the case if, because you know, I've, you know, if I, I tell my son actually, what do you want to become? Actually, he tells me <laughs> something actually. I said actually, look please at don't this. tell me his answer is a banker. No, no, I, I told him actually, <laughs> look at it this way. What's the best thing if we can't actually mine people's money? Okay? You know, everyone works actually, you make money actually, and you're going to manage people's money. But at the end of the day, finance is such, markets are such, even though payouts are ridiculous, but it's one of the most sought after profession in the world. Well, that's it. Some of the most, the brightest and most intelligent minds come out of university, and the first thing they want to do is go to Wall Street. Do you know what I mean? So this is a resource allocation problem. That do we need to step in and take care of it and fix it? Well, what kind of role are we are we playing here? You know, be smart, intelligent people with lots of ideas in the head. They should not be aspiring to join Wall Street. They should. Well, well, they should. If you're a parent and you put your son through university and you pay a whole bundle of cash to put him through, yeah, sure. And then within three years you can retire. But what kind of contribution to society does that make? He's not going to be inventing. He's not going to be Elon Musk. He's not going to be making a SpaceX or inventing the next Tesla. He's just going to be making commissions of, you know, putting your money into my pocket and then, and then shifting funds from your account to my account. And what kind of contribution is that? Do you know what I mean? Sorry, sorry gentlemen, you know. Both no, no, I, I, see, I see your point, but Suresh, um, is it the right way to take care of systemic issues yeah. by limiting uh, banker bonuses? You know, uh, risk-taking now is actually a function of how markets perform itself. And to a large extent, as I said earlier, business cycles are shorter, 
a lot of factors drive markets these days. Now, you have internal functions on the risk-taking. It's if compliance as well as actually risk management units on each desk. That limits that. But, you know, there are certain occasions where there's fat fingers. Uh, fat fingers being actually wrong trades that are being done, mm. as well as actually trades that actually which is larger than the, the amount of uh, risk that you can take internally itself. So there, there are rogue traders there in place itself. But this proposal by BNM actually on staggering out payouts, actually, that's more of actually making people accountable for decisions or trades that you make that could go wrong eventually down the road. See? So that's that's one part but of it. But it's clearly stated that it's yeah. specific to that because I, notwithstanding what uh, Chuang's view, right, uh, and I agree with you, Chuang, that uh, this is uh, these are some of the most unproductive uh, sectors of the economy, but uh, I am not trying to make a resource allocation decision here. I'm just looking at the merits of the regulation itself to see whether it really complicates the hiring process in the banking industry, assuming that the banking industry is something that we want to continue into the foreseeable future, right? How, how, how does it complicate? It really complicates the, the contractual process uh, with the banking uh, staff. You, you know, if you want the brightest minds to work for you, you need to pay them. It's, that's the bottom line for any industry for that matter. So now, uh, certain industries give out bonus payments, but investment banks give out one of the largest payouts. Just to give you some statistics, actually, if, if you're an FX trader, actually, in an investment bank, it's a $6 trillion daily turnover on the market on foreign exchange. So you could imagine the amount of business and trades that are involved in FX and the risk-taking that goes accordingly. So the larger the market the more actually your bonus payoff. Everyone wants a piece yeah, of that. Everyone yeah. wants a piece of it. Okay? So it's, it, it comes down to that actually. It's a, it's a huge market size. So if you're an FX trader actually and, and you're actually trading FX, the risk taking is there and the market is quite huge as well. So it tells you actually that is how people get paid because actually it's a huge market you're working with. So let's go back to that other uh, thing that we were discussing about uh, chair people, chairpersons, having already been executive of the firms. Uh, there are a couple of banks uh, which are retrospectively in technical default, right? We're looking at CIMB, AMP Bank, a Public Bank, and things like that. Um, is this really something that would... Uh, I guess this is a silly question, but how will this make the performance of the bank better and, uh, and, and the larger scale make our investments better? You know, as I said again, actually, they're, they're, you know, prior to this, actually, those situations were reoccurring. And now with this policy brief that is introduced, probably it actually puts to write what was wrong earlier itself. Now the well, question it's, if Central Bank wanted to be effective, I mean, highly effective in this regulation, they should they could make it retrospective in nature yes. and then cor correct the situation because depositors' funds are still at stake and yeah. people's savings are still at stake. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the question actually shareholders got to ask, actually. Would these policies be implemented in retrospective itself or, uh, or whether they want to wait until 2019 to put it in place mm. itself? Yeah, I, I think yeah. they can do it quite easily because... Uh, Tan Sri Te Hong Piao would have no problem finding a job, nor does he need a second job. No, he doesn't job. need a job. Uh, Nazir no. Razak would uh, have a very fantastic CV that I he could... I think he's really got a restaurant and a furniture shop to mind. Yeah, so why can't we <laughs> retrospective this? Yeah. Does Dato MI yeah. have the will and the temerity, actually, to yeah. do this kind of thing? That's a, that's a you know? question, actually, where it, it comes down to the central bank itself, the decision-making. But as I said earlier itself, uh, is that... They've come up with a policy brief on this. This is actually touching on the heart of governance itself, and it is very timely as well. So the question is actually the implementation policy. 
would they actually look at it again and actually implement it immediately or would they wait actually until 2019? It's a question that probably shareholders will be asking as well. Yep, and the rest of the country, I suppose, uh, if we're watching this closely. And uh, that's all the time we have. And we've been talking about the proposed changes uh, instituted by Bank Nagara to take care of transparency and banker bonuses. You've been listening to the SNM show with Ku Chuang and myself, Julian. And I'd like to also thank our guest, Dr. Suresh Ramanathan, uh, independent FX strategist, for joining us this morning. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.